100 years ago in 1920, the 19th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States was signed into law and officially granted 20 million American women the right to vote. This mass expansion in voting rights was the result of generations of intense activism known as the women's suffrage movement that has had a lasting legacy on the continued fight for equality in America. In recognition of the struggles and achievements of a once disenfranchised majority, Preservation Maryland is honored to present our contribution to the national efforts illuminating this important history, Ballot and Beyond. Hello, I'm Diana Bailey, Executive Director of the Maryland Women's Heritage Center. We're thrilled to partner with Preservation Maryland by expanding the Ballot and Beyond podcast project with stories of valiant Maryland women who worked for suffrage. In addition to featuring suffragists, several of these new podcasts also represent significant women whose historic contributions and achievements have led to their induction into the Maryland Women's Hall of Fame. Our mission at the Maryland Women's Heritage Center is to add her story to history to tell our story in all aspects of our lives. We are especially concerned with representing the critical intersectionality of race and gender in the history of the suffrage movement. As new documentation comes to light, we are sharing the important contributions of African Americans and many other diverse women and men who sought equality, inclusion, and justice for all. Enjoy the podcast and continue to share their stories. Ballot and Beyond, The Melvin Family, contributed by the Maryland Women's Heritage Center and written and read by Jean Thompson, an independent researcher and volunteer with the Maryland Women's Heritage Center. The library and archives at Goucher College were invaluable for this research. The women's suffrage movement is often depicted through an urban lens, documented by photos of marches and rallies filling city streets. For Marylanders, it is important to remember that the movement also spanned the Chesapeake Bay to include women of the agricultural eastern shore. Nanny V. Melvin, a journalist, social reformer, and political activist, is one of the Maryland women credited with planting suffrage club chapters on the Eastern Shore for the Just Government League. Founded in Baltimore by Edith Hooker in 1909, the Just Government League recognized early its need to broaden its base statewide, both to increase its political clout and use its voice on behalf of Maryland women. Its leaders strategically employed field secretaries, women who traveled state byways to organize events, canvas communities, engage the local media, call on local women's societies, and gather intelligence on support and opposition to women's enfranchisement. Nanny Melvin and her adult daughter, Anne Delia Melvin, were hired among the early Baltimore field secretaries. Often working at their side as a volunteer was Nanny's second daughter, Mary Melvin, an ardent suffragist who joined the movement while she was a student at the Women's College in Baltimore, known today as Goucher College, 
and now located in Taos. The activism of the Melvin women, and especially Nanny's efforts, helped the Just Government League grow across the Chesapeake Bay. Nanny was uniquely qualified for this job. She knew the waterways and backroads of the Eastern Shore. She was politically savvy. And as a journalist, she had connections at many of the state's newspapers, which she used to gain attention for her work and for the cause. Nanny was born in 1865 in Hillsborough, Caroline County, to the wealthy wheat farmer and two-term state senator, Thomas Frederick Garrett. As a young woman, Nanny achieved acclaim as a writer with poems and essays published in the magazine Puck, in the Baltimore American and her hometown paper, the Denton Journal. She married the Denton newspaper's owner, James Fisher Melvin, in 1883. They moved to Ellicott City where he founded the Ellicott City Times. And one source identifies Nanny as the associate editor. In Ellicott City, they raised two daughters and two sons. But the Melvin split in 1905 when James moved to Western states to launch more newspapers. Nanny became a working single mother and moved to Baltimore to support Mary, who was then studying at the Maryland School for the Blind. News reporters of the day closely followed Mary's academic achievement and frequently compared her to her contemporary, Helen Keller. By 1910, Nanny was an independent woman supporting two students at the Women's College. She told reporters that her daughter Mel Mary Melvin's passion for the women's suffrage movement inspired her to go to work for the Just Government League. In a first-person article in the Baltimore Sun in December 1910, Nanny Melvin describes in detail a boat trip she made for suffrage work across the Chesapeake Bay. Remember, the Bay Bridge was not constructed or opened until 1952, so the crossing was by water transit. With the boat bucking against a snowstorm, she landed in Cambridge hours behind her schedule. Next came the ride up the Choptank River to Denton. Along the way, she polled fellow boat passengers about their views on women's suffrage, and she took notes and names. Town by town, she collected names of pro-suffrage sympathizers and aunties. Aunties, that's what suffrage called their opponents. She dined with women's clubs and delivered speeches and used family connections to gauge the climate for women's enfranchisement in Eastern Shore towns. She would repeat this journey over the water many times. And during breaks in the school calendar, it is evident that her daughters traveled as well. News articles from the Eastern Shore describe their involvement in campaigns. From 1910 through 1912, Nanny Melvin planted suffrage clubs in towns from Cambridge to Elkton. She told the Maryland Suffrage News about clubs she had organized in Cecil, K. 
Caroline, Dorchester, Wicomico, and other counties, including in Delaware. She also reported on the activity of the other suffrage organizations working on the shore. Nanny Melvin established an office for the Just Government League in Denton in September 1911. There, she provided a waiting room where farm women could gather to talk, whether they were interested in suffrage or not. In farm communities, she said, women often were isolated and needed connection. In October 1911, she founded the Just Government League for Caroline County. At Nanny's invitation, Anna H. Shaw, president of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, spoke at Denton's courthouse in 1911. That year, Melvin led a delegation of Caroline County women to Baltimore to hear the British suffragist Emmeline Pankhurst speak at the Lyric. On election day in 1911, in a borrowed car festooned with signs, Nanny and other women rode 90 miles on Caroline, Caroline County byways to give speeches and distribute suffrage leaflets. In February 1912, suffragists from the shore sent a deluge of telegrams to the state legislature in Annapolis. They called on the House Committee on Constitutional Amendments to report favorably on a women's suffrage bill proposed by the Just Government League. Nanny Melvin's telegram read, quote, Eastern Shore women are ready and desire the ballot. When the proposed state constitutional amendment failed, Melvin's group then asked Caroline County voters to make a pledge. Vote only for candidates who support women's suffrage during the next Maryland primary. Ever a trailblazer, Nanny moved on to a career as a policewoman, probation officer, and reformer of corrections programs for women. She died in Sacramento, California on May 14, 1942. And what became of her daughters? During and after her student years at the Women's College, Mary Melvin delivered open-air speeches for women's suffrage. She marched in the 1913 Women's Suffrage Procession in Washington, D.C. When bystanders harassed the marchers, newspapers reported that Mary was present. Melvin was drawn into the United States Senate investigation of police security failures at the march. A witness claimed that the blind girl from Goucher was jostled by the crowd and harassed by hecklers. With her mother's help, Mary submitted testimony to the Senate panel. She furthered her training in occupational therapy and teaching at the Connecticut School for the Blind and San Jose State College. She became a noted teacher for the blind and for sight-impaired adults and was hired by the Washington State Department of Social Security to make home visits in Spokane and Walla Walla. She died in Walla Walla, Washington in 1951, and her death was mourned by Goucher College alumni. And Delia Melvin organized many Baltimore suffrage events. She was involved in the Women's Suffrage Parade in Baltimore 
which attracted thousands of suffragists to the city. It was organized for the Just Government League to coincide with the Democratic National Convention of 1912, which was held at the 5th Regiment Armory. In addition to her work behind the scenes, Andelia donned the costume of Joan of Arc and rode a white horse in the parade. Andelia believed in the importance of youth recreation and was for many years the director of the first public recreation center in Baltimore. She attended national conferences on recreation and spoke of the service to communities that centers provided, as well as their important role of bringing diverse people together for the betterment of the city. Later, like her mother, she was involved in policing reform and traveled widely to help enable her sister Mary's education and career. And Delia died in Southern California in 1939. For the Melvins, the women's suffrage movement was a family affair. Their efforts helped the Just Government League on its way to becoming the largest organization advocating for women's suffrage in Maryland. By 1915, the organization boasted of a statewide membership of 17,000 people. Thank you to our many Maryland's Heritage Center volunteers who researched, edited, and brought these stories to the community by reading these podcasts. Researchers and historians are always seeking information about women and their stories. Our efforts to find and document their contributions is ongoing. If you have letters, articles, memorabilia from your past or in your attic or basement, please share with us so that we can continue to fill in the unsung heroine stories for a richer understanding of Maryland women and their contributions to our history. To donate materials or to make a financial gift in support of this work, please visit ballotandbeyond.org. When you're there, you can also listen to biographies from Season 1 and see historic images and transcripts from each episode. If you're inspired by these remarkable women, please share this podcast with your friends, family, colleagues, and students. And rate us on Apple Podcasts or head over to PreserveCast.org to make a donation. Thank you. Ballot and Beyond is a multimedia history project powered by Preservation Maryland and our award-winning podcast, PreserveCast. It's produced with financial support from Gallagher, Evelius, and Jones, Attorneys at Law, and the Maryland Historical Trust. With a Heritage Fund grant from Preservation Maryland and the Maryland Historical Trust, Season 2 was researched, written, and read by the Maryland Women's Heritage Center.